The Pacific region has the highest levels of gender-based violence in the world and the lowest levels of parliamentary representation for women. Across the region, there are also shocking figures on maternal mortality rates and education for girls. This Radio New Zealand Insight programme looks at why these statistics are so high, why women have such poor representation and what the Pacific's leaders are doing about it. of women singing on the shores of One Foot Island in the Cook Islands seems idyllic, but across the Pacific, the well-being of women is under pressure. Research shows many are beaten, are economically and politically disadvantaged and suffer from poor health and bad education. The United Nations reports that in Papua New Guinea, partner violence is estimated to affect 70% of women. Kiribati has one of the worst records of violence against women and according to one study, about three quarters of women believe there's some justification for a husband hitting his wife. And across the region, only 5% of parliamentarians are women. I'm Megan Whelan and in this insight I'll talk to women from around the region and international leaders about whether enough is being done. The United States Secretary of State Hillary Clinton met a group of Pacific women during the Pacific Islands Forum. She told them every country, including her own, can do better. Progress toward gender equality in the Pacific has not kept pace with the rest of the world. And we have to recognize that. But we also are here to do something about it. Look at the numbers. Research from the World Bank and local organizations shows that the Pacific has the world's lowest rate of women participating in legislative bodies or holding executive roles in the world. There are only seven countries in the world that have no women in their parliaments but four of them are located here in the Pacific. Mrs Clinton says gender inequality isn't hurting just women and girls. It holds back entire societies because when women are unequal participants, economic growth is undermined, development is stymied, communities and countries are robbed of the contributions that women could make. As Pacific countries work towards development, they're being warned they simply can't ignore women socially, economically or politically. The World Bank estimates that getting women into the workforce would increase productivity in the region by 7 to 18 per cent. The administrator of the United Nations Development Programme, New Zealand's former Prime Minister Helen Clark, says women are less likely to be in the formal economy and carry a larger burden. If a country tries to develop leaving behind half its population, it's not going to get terribly far. The, the truth is it's not only in the interests of women and not only important for the rights of women for women to play their full part in the development of their country. Uh, the, the country 
just isn't going to measure up on the indicators if, if it doesn't include women. And I think that's a, a very powerful message. How do you, for example, meet Millennium Development Goals if the women aren't also supported to achieve in the same way as the men? One of the ways Pacific countries have tried to increase women's roles, at least politically, is to introduce reserved seats for women. It's been tried in Papua New Guinea and Solomon Islands and failed. Legislation is now before the parliament in Samoa. Andy Meriani Ngavindi is a social worker based in Nandi in Fiji. She says Fiji's next constitution should include reserved seats. It'll be respected. And uh, there are a lot of hidden agendas that, uh, that uh, men don't bring up, that women can see and uh, women can go ahead with it. Uh, women are very strong. In the years since Fiji's 2006 coup, it's often been women who have continued to speak up against the interim regime's restrictions. One of those women, the executive director of the Fiji women's rights movement, Virasila Mbonsromo, says that often happens in conflict. But she says as nations get back to democracy, as Fiji is, women get left out. We have been informed by the state that we'll be having elections in 2014 and we're in the process of um, drafting our new constitution. Interestingly, temporary special measures is something the state isn't very interested in. Even though on one hand they say they support gender equality but they believe that um, any form of temporary special measures uh, in Fiji's context will also mean that other groups, for example ethnic groups, will be asking for the same temporary special measures as well. In the absence of parliament, the regime has made law by decree and Verisilam Bourndromo says some of them on employment and assault have improved the legal situation of women. But she says a survey is underway to gauge current levels of violence against women and she's not expecting the statistics of one in six women from ten years ago to have improved. In Vanuatu, those statistics are much worse, with two-thirds of women having suffered some kind of violence. The coordinator of the Vanuatu Women's Centre, Marilyn Tahi, says cultural attitudes perpetuate gender inequality. It's still a patriarchy countries, and majority of our people and the government still take it as that's normal. And so the violence will continue in the Pacific until until the day we realize that women are human beings and should be treated equally like men uh, as human beings are not treated and trodden upon like animals. Uh, otherwise, the violence will continue in the Pacific. Be and the other reason is that uh, culture and religion are used as excuses to endorse this. Marilyn Tahi's organization works with men to teach them how to be advocates for gender equality. My name is uh, Petro Twinaram. I'm from Fiji Island. My name is Judah Silas. I'm from uh, Torpa province. My name is Cecil. I'm chief of Motolawa Island in Torpa province. We've learned that uh, men and women should have equal uh, human rights. Men can play a role to eliminate uh, violence against women. Uh, we can do to educate our people. Our attitude and our behavior is the, always the cause of uh, this violence to, against the women. Men and women have the same responsibility in cooking. If women can do cooking, 
men also can have the, uh, this responsibility to help his wife to cook. Men must change their behavior. It's hard work to deal with men's mind, but it's our duty to do it. Maire Tekanene is one of three women MPs in Kiribati. To be able to run for office, she had to spend thousands of dollars of her own money and put up posters explaining how to register to vote. As votes were counted, I asked her if she thinks men are hard to deal with. They can be possessive of the, of the, of the MP positions themselves. You know, we, we can't be always be sure. But uh, it's sad that there's many of us contesting in this election from this constituency. I think uh, we should have all agreed, you know, to have someone with higher profile uh, to run, you know, because, because it's very hard. It's very hard to, um, to compete with these very tough, um, <coughs> tough uh, political Maire Tekanene says the support of women is just as important. And now, as I campaign, I say, if you don't cast a vote, it's like you don't cook, cook a meal for, for a family in, in, in one evening. Because it's also part of our duty. That's what I say in some sites now. And, you know, they look up at me, you know. It, to me, I ask myself how I would mobilize all these women, you know, to get to cast a vote. Because if I go to the second round now, if I go to the second round, for sure, if, if, they, if they cast a vote, there's 5,000 of them, I will get it <laughs> with no problem. <laughs> But not all Pacific women support the idea of temporary special measures. Lujaya Tony was elected as one of three women in recent elections to gain a seat in Papua New Guinea's 111-seat parliament. She was against last year's push to create 22 seats for women. You set up the starting line and you say all the men stand on the starting line in this 100-metre race. And then you come to the halfway mark and you say, OK, women, your starting line is here at the halfway mark. And then the gun goes off and they all run. Of course there'll be more women reaching the finishing line. But the men who finally get to the finish line, do you think they're going to respect the women for their efforts of starting at the halfway line? But could you not look at it the other way, that as it is at the moment, the men are starting at the starting line, but the women are starting 50 metres back? Okay, that's another way of looking at it, but let me put it this way. What we need to do with our women, we need to first of all be the face within our communities because our communities are the ones going to vote for us. So our women need to get their hands dirty, be in the community, be involved in the discussion, in the whatever, the problems of the community, speak up for the people within the community so that the community can build that element of trust in you. Secondly, our women need to affiliate themselves to political parties become a member of a political party and work hard to fundraise for that party, rub shoulders in decision-making process within that political party. And then later on, when you put your hand up to say, I want to stand and run for public office, you will get that logistical support that you need. And Papua New Guinea's Prime Minister Peter O'Neill says while the government can employ more police to protect women and improve health services, true gender equality takes time. For the long term, it's education. And uh, our government is very committed 
in uh, making sure that we educate our population about uh, rights of individuals, both women and male citizens of our country, uh, that of children, better health care for our, our people, and that can come about by education. Traditional practices such as bride price or dowry and polygamy in PNG are often blamed for the status of the country's women. Peter O'Neill says that those traditions used to be practiced in a way that was acceptable, but in a modern society, people are abusing them. Dame Carol Kidu, who was in PNG's parliament for three terms and led the push for reserved seats for women, says the abuse of traditions like bride price has created a commodification of women. When I saw this dava being practised, dava is a traditional word in my husband's language, being practised in the 60s when I was there, and I had a dava paid for me. Um, when I saw that practised then, it was very different from what we're seeing nowadays. Bride marriage exchange, it, was actually, it actually gave protection to the woman, the actual traditional custom as it was, and I think there's a need for greater honesty by men acknowledging that this custom didn't give them ownership of a woman. It gave them the rights to the children, but it gave them responsibility towards the woman and to woman's clan as well. And a, a woman who was abused traditionally, it, regardless of the fact whether a dava had been paid or not, if she was abused, she could walk out with the children, even though a dava had been paid. And I, I saw it happen in the early days. Nowadays, it's become a commodification of women and, and families sometimes even trying to capitalise on that commodification. Uh, and so it's not those customs that are the problem. It's the abuse of those customs. Dame Carroll says the country can't go back, but it can legislate to stop people corrupting the traditions. Some men will say, oh, me by and finish, I've, I've brought her so I can do what I like with her. Well, I mean, absolutely wrong. Our laws classify that as assault. Yeah, and you legislate against the abuse of the custom. And, and most young people even nowadays are saying, when I talk about it with them, they say, oh, no, 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 we need bride price because it brings our families together and it binds us as a people. But it's, it's the abuse of it that we've got to tackle, you know. Um, you can't just remove something that is the glue of society because what's left? But the need for change in Papua New Guinea is urgent. A UN special rapporteur on violence against women, Rashida Manju, who travelled there earlier this year, found extremely high levels of violence against women. She says violence is perceived as a normal part of life and the practice of bride price is an important trigger of domestic violence. Rashida Manju says the high risk of sexual assault, particularly in Port Moresby, is additionally terrifying given the high prevalence of HIV-AIDS. And she says the responsibility to protect women from violence and to punish perpetrators is an obligation of the state. I, I don't think that violence against women is a cultural problem. I think it's a societal problem whether I go to the United States, to Italy, to Jordan or whichever other country I've been. It's a societal problem. It's the socialisation of women on one arm and the value that's attached to women, but it is also about a lack of state um, responsibility. A state that does not demand accountability for all crime, whether the, the acts of violence are committed in the public or the private sphere, is a state that is failing. So this isn't a cultural problem. This is a problem of the lack of status of women and a culture of impunity and accountability for all acts of violence.
But the Cook Islands Prime Minister, Henry Puna, says there is a cultural element to politics. It's easy to get carried away with, uh, you know, with figures without really appreciating the efforts that's, you know, behind in the background. So, you know, I, I don't agree that we should just uh, look at figures and make our own conclusions. The fact is, uh, you know, countries throughout the Pacific vary culturally, historically and socially. And I think that needs to be respected. And uh, whatever they try and do to achieve the, the gender issue must be respected and applauded. Mr Puna was unimpressed when asked why it's taking so long for women to break into the region's parliaments. Just by the way, lady, uh, let me just uh, add something else uh, maybe you're not aware of, but our women actually, there was a lot of consultation uh, in the Cook Islands over the question of women representation in parliament. You might be surprised to learn that our women themselves have decided no, they would rather get there on their own merits instead of giving, being, uh, you know, receiving preferential treatment. And that is something to be applauded and respected. So, that's it. But Kairangi Samuela from Punanga Tauturu, the Cook Islands Women's Counselling Centre, says that view is complacent. We sort of see, in terms of government level, there's a lot more women included in this. So it's more apathy, because we seem to be up there at that level. So that's fine. So how do we then keep the momentum going so that let's go further up? We're very good at lobbying government, but we're not very good at lobbying politically individuals. We've got lots of women in the political spheres. We, the women do the campaigning, the putting together on the policies, the cooking the food, you know, the budgeting. But we're not just coming, stepping up and saying, well, actually, I'd like to be voted in. Kairangi Samuela says if an undefined concept of culture is behind how women are treated, that has to be questioned. What is that culture and where did it come from? For some in the region, the culture change needed is a refocusing at a domestic level. A medical advisor to the Papua New Guinea-based branch of the family planning group, Mari Stopes, Dr Edith Degwalu Kariko, says there's a need to get back to the family unit. We know the mother has always been the lead in the family. Her husband's success has always been attributed to her hard work, which she really is a shadow player in this. But if we get back to basics and have that, where the mother takes the lead in management, as she managed the family, I'm sure she has the capacity to manage a country. A woman who is stepping up is Jenny Legal, the chair of Vanuatu's Women Against Crime, who will stand in the country's election in about a month. She says women always have to work harder. When they talked about the reserve seats and the quota system, uh, I, for one, I, I, I was uh, saying that it is good to have those uh, reserve seats, but it is more better if you worked hard for it and you stand like the men do so that you know that you have sweat yourself out to win a seat instead it, like it is given to you because you don't want to be uh, manipulated when it is given to you and uh, it will not be respected. But the Vanuatu Women's Centre's Marilyn Tahi says traditional culture has changed. She says Vanuatu used to have women in chiefly leadership, which doesn't happen anymore, and women have no space in today's hierarchical environment. I would support quota systems, I would support reserve seats, I would, whatever government can put in place, I, I just want women to, to be sitting in that parliament. 
uh, if, if the government can come up with any means at all to allow women to participate at that level, I'd support it. As the 15 leaders of the Pacific Islands Forum are carried into the official opening of Pahata by local warriors, there's only one woman among them, Australia's Prime Minister Julia Gillard. Gender was one of the big issues at this year's Pacific Islands Forum Leaders Meeting in the Cook Islands. The leaders included a gender equality declaration in their final communique. It says gender inequality is imposing a high personal, social and economic cost on Pacific people and nations and that improved equality will make a significant contribution to creating a prosperous, stable and secure region. They agreed to support women's political Political representation by considering legislation to allow temporary special measures such as reserved seats. And they pledged to act to end violence against women. The executive director of UN Women, Chile's former president, Michelle Bachelet, who was at the meeting in the Cook Islands, says a commitment like that is good, but money needs to be allocated. There is a direct relation with certain deficit of, human, of women's rights, um, different issues. For example, you see where there is more violence, there are more people living with HIV AIDS. When there are less women in politics or, or less women empowered economically, there's more violence. So it's not that it will disappear immediately. I was, when I was in office, when I was elected, there was this woman who told me, I'm so happy that you're a president of the Republic because my husband won't beat me anymore. And I felt so bad because, of course, I cannot, I mean, you don't go into the people's houses inside the houses. Much of the Pacific is likely to miss the Millennium Development Goals, eight target areas for improvement that most of the world has signed up to with the target of achieving them by 2015. One of them aims to reduce the maternal mortality rate, which Papua New Guinea, the Federated States of Micronesia, Kiribati and Tonga are all on track to miss. The aid organisation Oxfam says there are 733 maternal deaths per 100,000 live births in Papua New Guinea and only 53% of births are attended by skilled health personnel. In fact, if Papua New Guinea had the same maternal mortality rate as Samoa at 15 per 100,000 live births, approximately 1,100 fewer mothers would die every year. Helen Clark says to meet the goals, gender needs to be right at the top of the list. It seems to me that if you can't make a breakthrough by normal means of people contesting being selected for Parliament, then you have to look at the special measures. What we know from around the world is that the countries which have made the, the biggest strides, developing countries with women's representation, have generally employed special measures. I don't think we're going to see significant change in these rather dire statistics for women in the Pacific on levels of education, levels of health, uh, levels of economic empowerment, political participation, until gender equality becomes a top priority. During the forum, Australia announced an unprecedented $410 million initiative to help women in the Pacific. Australia's Prime Minister Julia Gillard says gender equality isn't a marginal issue. It's not just about fairness to women, 
but it's also about economic development and empowerment. We know that societies only reach their full potential. If women are politically participating as equals, that's a key indicator of social governance. We know that food security is advanced by enabling women uh, to work in the agricultural <coughs> sector. We know that if there was a better distribution uh, between men and women of agricultural work, uh, that up to 150 million more people would be nourished around our globe. But at the same time, New Zealand has cut funding to women's organisations in Tonga, Vanuatu and Fiji. The Fiji women's rights movement's Verisilla Mbondromo says her organisation's funding was cut because it doesn't come under the government's policy of economic development. She says that sort of progress doesn't happen in a vacuum. I'm hoping that you know, they've tried this formula that they've had for the last what, four years. Um, they really should review it to see whether there has been any impact and what has been the impact of us not being part of that process. Uh, us meaning, you know, human rights organisations and, and them not funding it. Has there been any change? Uh, has there been any improvement in economic development in these countries that they're working in? But the Prime Minister, John Key, says New Zealand leads by example. So we've got a very proud record of um, making sure that women have equality in New Zealand and that's been there for you know, a very long period of time now. Secondly, we've spent around about $12 million in the last 12 months in terms of aid programs very specifically focused at, at uh, female issues, particularly around health, education and of course um, domestic violence. Uh, and when it comes to all of our aid programs, one of the criteria that has to be met is gender equality. So I think New Zealand walks the walk and talks the talk. Would getting women into Parliament help? Well, I think it's got to help. Um, what the, the experience in New Zealand is quite clear. You know, women play an important role in our democracy. Uh, they add often a different perspective. Uh, and you know, New Zealand's a much richer country for having a better gender balance. But an MP in Tahiti, Taya Hershon, says attaining gender balance isn't the only thing that matters. French Polynesia has to have women in at least 50% of its parliamentary seats, thanks to legislation enacted in France. Taya Hershon says while this means women have a female parliamentarian to go to, power is still concentrated in the hands of men. It wasn't easy, I must say, because uh, politics are more a game of where men perform. <laughs> Uh, especially in more traditional uh, societies like ours. And we vote for the president. And then the president will appoint his ministers. What happens is there may be at least one, maybe two out of 12 or 15. And this is really where the power and the decision-making procedures are. As women in the Pacific are likely to have fewer financial resources, they struggle in any political environment where money helps win votes. And many of the region's leaders are unwilling to consider change in representation in case it would affect their position. The Solomon Islands Prime Minister Gordon Darcy Lelaw has ruled out further talk of temporary special measures for women. He says they don't want to divide the country and allow people to fight over rights. We would want it to take it more in a development approach. And by development approach, it's educating the people, creating more facilities so that you know we can stop violence against women, recognition of women in development, um, creating more opportunities for women, scholarship program, and that sort of thing. And once we started to do that, I tell you, sooner or later, there'll be more women into parliament. 
However, Mr Darcy Lelo highlights Rwanda, a country which reserved 24 out of 80 seats in the lower house of parliament and now tops the world rankings for women in parliament. He says his government is encouraging donors to create scholarships for women and has policies to encourage women into business. What is more relevant is the way that we are going to develop the opportunity for women to be able to participate in development in this country. That is more important to us than temporal things. Temporal things don't make anything better. Samoa has proposed legislation to set aside five seats, or 10% of parliament, for women. Previously, Samoa had four women MPs, but in the current parliament, only two women were elected. The country's Justice Minister, Fiamei Naomi Mata'afa, says some attribute the low figure to tradition, because women have to hold a matai title, which some villages don't allow women to do. But she says it's a matter of time. No one is saying that you know, they, they can't run because, you know, they're not being allowed to, apart from those villages that don't. But then the way our system is run, you know, we have so many families who can go and get a title somewhere else, you know, if that's really what you wanted to do. But I also think women are very pragmatic. Um, and, you know, politics is, is a very risky undertaking, you know, and it takes a lot of your resources monetary resources, your time, and and so forth. And I think women just make the choice. If it's a matter of time, the question for women becomes, how much time will it take? UN Women's Michelle Bachelet says things are moving. I would love to move it even more uh, faster, but it is moving. And I believe this is also a, a result of a lot of partnerships and political will to advance. But she says everyone, countries, international organisations and individuals can and should do more, and that will require political will being maintained for many years. I'm Megan Whelan, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by William Saunders.